Welcome to the Jeremiah Patterson Show, and thank you for joining me today. Um, thanks to NPR reporter Dinah Rastin and her incredible investigative work and research, we have found this out. Um, I will say this reporting is remarkably produced. It provides context going back to the early stages of the coronavirus pandemic, and it also explains and tells what went wrong. Um, but first, as you know, here is the history of this apolitical public health institution, what we all now know as, and what we all know as collectively, as the CDC. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta, Georgia, the agency responsible for monitoring the health status of the American people. CDC functions as the doctor for the community or for the public at large and so we monitor health status in a much broader sense. Our job is to watch the health of the American public and when we see disturbances in the health of the American public, when we see diseases, our job is to try to figure out why they occur and how to both control them but more importantly to prevent them. People often ask why this large public agency is located in Atlanta instead of the nation's capital. We are the only major government agency that is not headquartered in Washington, D.C. And um, both the fact that we're not in Washington as well as the date that we were established tells you something about our history. In 1946, troops were returning home from Europe and the Pacific after World War II. The joy of their return was tempered by public health concerns about what might be arriving with them. Would their homecoming also reintroduce diseases that had been erased from the national scene? In the southeastern part of the United States, up until well into the 20th century, this was an area that had malaria. There was a lot of concern that as soldiers returned from areas, particularly in the Pacific, which were high incidence areas for malaria, that as they came back to military bases in the southeast, that there was a possibility that they would reintroduce malaria into the mosquito populations around those military bases. And so a little unit was established in Atlanta, being that it was the largest city in the southeast, to make sure that those mosquito populations were kept under control around the military bases so that malaria wouldn't come back in this part of the country. That video was released um, from the Billy Nye Rolls YouTube channel in February of 2009 on the history of the CDC. Um, in reference to their history, here is this shocking, uh, gut-wrenching NPR reporter, um, Dinah Rastin's report. This report indicates that the CDC new coronavirus tests were unreliable and flawed, but they decided to release them anyway. This is how the piece begins. Quote, on February 6th, a scientist in a small infectious disease lab on the Centers for Disease on the on the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention campus in Atlanta, Georgia, was putting a coronavirus test kit through its final paces. I, that that may be phases, uh, according to this reporting here. Continues. Quote, the lab designed and built the diagnostic test in record time in the little vials that contained necessary. Regents, to identify the record, were boxed up and ready to go. But NPR has learned the results of that final quality control test suggested something troubling. It said the kit could fail 33% of the time. Under normal circumstances, that kind of result would stop a test in its tracks. Half a dozen public and private lab officials told NPR. 
an internal, but an internal CDC review obtained by NPR confirms the lab officials decided to release the test kit anyway. The revelation comes from a CDC internal review known as the, quote, root cause analysis, end quote, which the agency concluded conducted to understand why an early coronavirus test why an early coronavirus test didn't work properly and wound it up, costing scientists precious weeks in the early days of the pandemic. End quote. And so after learning the, upon learning this news, reviewers at the Respiratory Viruses Diagnostic Laboratory, which is headed by an admirable scientist named Stefan Lundstrom, quote, was beset with problems, including process failures, a lack of appropriate recognized laboratory quality standards, and organizational problems related to support and management of a laboratory supporting an outbreak response, end quote. Um, she goes on to say, um, she goes on to say that the CDC declined to make Lindstrom or anyone else available for an interview to discuss this unrelated, excuse me, to discuss this unreleased internal um, CDC report. Only a spokeswoman, excuse me, only a spokesperson um, said that the agency had, quote, acknowledged and corrected mistakes along the way, end quote. NPR reporter Dinah Rastin continues, quote, the CDC's coronavirus test, test kits begin, began arriving at the 100 or so public labs across the country in small white boxes on February 6th, according to the CDC timeline in the review. Each cardboard container held four tiny vials of, chemical, of chemicals that, when used properly, were meant to confirm the presence of the virus. The New York City Public Health Laboratory was in the first wave of the of the of labs receiving the test kits and its director Jennifer Rackman said her technicians be said, said her technicians began trying to verify the test right away verification is a standard protocol it involves following detailed instructions to ensure the test work the same way in an outside lab as they do at the CDC labs in Atlanta the first three vials in the box were specific to the coronavirus, and the fourth was a control that let the labs know the, the specimen. The, the, it, the, essentially, this let the, the labs know the specimen they, excuse me, they were examining was a good one. So the test kit were viable. That is how they, they let them know that, okay, the test kit are good. It continues, quote, essentially, Rockman said it's let let you know essentially it lets you know if the swab went all the way up a patient's nose and wasn't just waved in the air by february 8th eight hours by february 8 excuse me by february 8th hours after her lab started verifying the test kits rockman said she had she had been she had she began receiving panicked emails from colleagues Something they said was wrong. They had run the test kits a dozen times. They had run the test kits dozens of times, but were getting inconclusive results from test of the regents, from these, from these two of the regents, from two of the regents, or chemicals in the vials. Rackman began calling other labs to see if they were experiencing the same problems, and they said they were. Quote, it was truly a, it was very truly an oh crap moment, Rackman said. Quote, these regents aren't working. Everybody is waiting for us all over the city to have this test online. We think we have more cases that we've been able to detect, and the test isn't working. She said trying to battle COVID-19, which was just starting to rage through New York, without a test was like trying to build a house without a saw but no hammer.
Quote, and we need that hammer. We need that other tool. We need that test, she said. End quote. Reportedly, when the CDC learned of these complaints, they believed that this issue was contamination. Um, years ago, the years ago, low-level contamination was to blame for this for for this very same issue, um, except it was with a Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome CDC test. "Quote: microscope, Microscopic residue could roil and ruin a sensitive test such as the one built for the coronavirus." End quote. And that is exactly what they are worried about: flawed test. And other CDC, other key CDC officials said the same thing, saying that this probably is like the incident we had years ago. The next part of this story and the next part of uh, NPR reporter Dinah Raston's report just gets interesting. And that's next. Hey, Google. More than 100 billion words are translated every day. Thank you very much for your help. Words about food. <laughs> Words about friendship. About sport. About belief. About fear. Words that can hurt and sometimes divide. But every day, the most translated words in the world are how are you, thank you, and I love you. Welcome back. Once again, we're following this news of this on. Of this unreleased internal CDC report um, that reportedly talks, that reportedly says and lays out here that the CDC released coronavirus test kits anyway, knowing that they were knowing that they were flawed and knowing that those test kits were unreliable. Um, this reporting was broken by uh, NPR reporter Dinah Raston on November sixth of this year. Um, she lays it out in very very um, stark terms here, as we are just finally um, receiving this information. Dinah Rastin continues, quote, The contamination theory gained momentum after Timothy Stencil, director of the Food and Drug Administration's Office of In Vitro Diagnostics and Radiological Health, visited the respiratory disease lab a few weeks later. He returned to his superiors and he returned to his superiors, excuse me, in Washington, D.C., saying he found a sloppy lab protocol. He found sloppy lab protocols. Researchers entered and exited the coronavirus laboratories without changing their coats, he said. Testing and ingredients were assembled in the same room where researchers have been working on the positive coronavirus samples, he told them, according to three officials who were part of the discussion at the time. These are the sort of things that can introduce microscopic contamination. End quote. So this is what Timothy Stencil, this director over at the FDA of the Office of in, of in Vitro Diagnostics and Radiological Health, this is this is what he's concerned about. And as I go on and as I continue to re- report from Dinah Raston's reporting at NPR, keep keep Timothy Stencil in your head. He's a he's a key character in the story. It continues. Quote: CDC and HHS officials disagree with Stencil's disagree with Stencil's characterization of the lab. One former CDC official who was there when he arrived, who was there when he arrived, said, 
essentially said that the issues were small. Quote, it was beakers on a counter that were empty and washed with seven feet of negative pressure hood. He called that dirty. Was that protocol? No, but it wasn't a dirty lab. The FDA declined to make stencil um, available for an interview. Available for this story, as Diana Rastin reports in her story. Quote, while the CDC and HHS were trying to under were trying to determine what was wrong with the test kits, public labs were still awaiting for something they could use. Quote, we waited another month before we had testing available, Rackman told NPR. And then this is the headline of the next of just just the next part of that reporting. Quote, absence or failure of document control. Quote, Lindstrom, Stefan Lindstrom, um, who led the respiratory disease lab, had invented diagnostic tests in the past. Before he went to the infectious disease, disease, disease lab, he was running a different CDC lab, one that focused on influenza. When he was there, he had helped create the diagnostic tests that were used to identify H1N1 in patients, and there, was, there were no issues with the test. The FDA quickly approved the test and sent them, sent them to labs across the country. Within days, the same kits were dispatched around the world. The effort was considered a triumph for the CDC, and Lindstrom was viewed internally as the guy who made it happen. The influenza lab, however, had an infrastructure and systematic way of responding to flu outbreaks. And because of, because of that, Lindstrom and his team just had to do the science, one official said. Quote, the infrastructure was already there to help. COVID-19 was different. When Lindstrom first built the test at the, infect in the, at the infectious disease lab, for instance, he didn't have any human sample of the virus. Said it had to be, man so it had to be manufactured. What's more, officials say, Lindstrom built the coronavirus test the same way he would have built one for influenza. Goes on, quote, it was, it was after all, what he knew best. The problem was the coronavirus had more in common with SARS or MERS, respiratory diseases that hit the Middle East and Asia in 2002 and 2012, than something like H1N1. End quote. And so after that transpired, officials at the Department of Health and Human Services implied that there was nothing wrong with the test that Lindstrom's lab had built. Reportedly, he may have um, pulled a MERS test out of the freezer and used that test as a sort of a template for a coronavirus test instead because, quote, it had more common, it had more in common with a respiratory virus than influenza did, end quote. Um, what essentially what Dinah Rastin lays out in her reporting here from NPR is that because is that because the respiratory disease lab had fewer established systems than Stephen than Stefan Lindstrom's excuse me than Mr. Lindstrom's prior lab, the review also indicates that the basic mistakes were made. In, in the report, it says, quote, the absence of failure or document control to ensure the use of a single verified caress of a single verified correct test quality control procedure matching emergency use authorization procedure. This, quote, resulted in deficiencies. End quote. Reportedly, the FDA required a particular protocol um, essentially to be followed when creating these tests. And it seems like th this lab wasn't using that wasn't using the correct one. 
Last month, reporters at ProPublica um, reported on a similar story about about what transpired inside a CDC lab when the test um, failure occurred. So this is reportedly the first time that the CDC's internal review findings have been divulged. And we get this in, in, in this NPR reporting, too. The director of infectious disease at the Association of Public Health Laboratories said that she was astonished that Lindstrom's lab was called out for something like quality control. She said, quote, I've done studies with Steve and he's meticulous in so many ways. So in so many ways. So the documentation failure is really surprising. End quote. Quote, and when the lab ran the very last quality control test using the correct emergency use authorization procedures and showing a and procedures and showing a possible 33, 33% failure rate it was february 6 according to the review the kits were there for little the kits were there for little vials were already in their boxes there was a t- there was time to recall them before they went out, but Lindstrom decided not to do that. Three officials familiar with this with this review said, one HHS official, one official at the Department of Health and Human Services, told NPR that this shouldn't have been a tough that this shouldn't have been a tough call. Quote: the QC the QC records showed that the test had a problem. The official said Lindstrom signed off on a quality control that was clearly flawed. He should not have released that kit. This person saying, quote, the thing that hangs me up most is probably the 33% and not recalling or not immediately going to remanufacture or something at that point, she said, quote, because 33% is clearly a lot. Compounding the problem, officials said what was the fact that the CDC had not established a specific benchmark for the test. There was not, for example, an agency directive that said that that said the test needed to be the correct some specific percentage that said the, that the test essentially needed to be some type of percentage of the time before it could be released. Obviously, the CDC would like the test to be completely accurate when officials told NPR, but something less than it typically acceptable but something less than that is typically acceptable particularly um, during a public health crisis because there was no benchmark set for acceptance it became Lindstrom's call he appears to have decided either that the last quality control test was wrong or the or that the 33% failure rate was acceptable officials said and in quote so the last Subtitle here is ramping up testing. And according to NPR, we now we now know we know that the inspector general at the Department of Health and Human Services is also investigating this matter and also is investigating why this happened and why this report, um, why this report has not yet come to fruition. Reportedly, the CDC um, review has provided some recommendations to prevent a failure like this from happening again. Quote, among them setting specific criteria that must be met before test kits can go to public labs and now requiring that an outside group reviews all CD, all the CDC tests. NPR has confirmed that Lindstrom is no longer in the respiratory disease lab and that the CDC has effectively removed all the leadership from the Division of Viral Diseases that oversaw the lab. 
a CDC spokesman declined to discuss CDC personnel issues. Once again, this was reporting from NPR reporter Dinah Rastin, essentially about this unreleased internal CDC report um, that uh, essentially that tests were flawed, but they were released anyway. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show. If you'd like to read the report yourself for better comprehension, I know that the, the, just the writings of it was a little bit and just scientifically complex and sort of convoluted. But if you'd like to read that yourself, I'll make sure to put the link of that article in the description of this episode so you can, um, so you can go read that. Uh, thank you again for listening to this episode and join me this weekend um, for regular reporting on the Jeremiah Patterson Show.